Good morning, church. How are we today? Amen. 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 Let me invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 77. This summer we've been working our way through several different kind of psalms. And this week uh, we are in a song of lament. We're going to see somebody who's in trouble and sorrowful over it. Uh, we only have two more weeks after this week. So next week, uh, and actually, I'll actually be gone the next two weeks, but next week, Mark uh, Jones, our elder, is going to bring the word. And then in two weeks, Aaron is going to bring the word. Both of them will be in Psalms. And then come August 7th, we'll be back in the book of Acts. But for this morning, uh, we are in Psalm 77. When it comes to trouble in this world, we have said multiple times that everybody suffers. doesn't matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever. Everybody suffers. No one gets a trial-free, easy life. And in a real sense, isn't that God's grace? I mean, if everything went perfectly for us all the time, that could potentially set us up to think that somehow we don't need God. You ever find that often it's when we have seasons of prosperity that we can tend to drift and so troubles, in a sense, can be God's grace. Even the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that he suffered deeply so that he would learn not to rely on himself, but on God who raises the dead. And yet, so many people who are, I meet who are just shocked when life gets hard. You know, and we live in a society that balks at God when serious trials come. Like, how could a loving God allow us to suffer the things that we suffer? I've seen and heard many stories of people who claim to be Christians, but when the fires of life came, they turned away altogether because they expected God to bring them a healthy, wealthy, and prosperous life. It begs us to ask the question, how do you respond when the unfathomable happens to you? When tragedy strikes deep and the questions about God begin to fill your mind, where do you turn to to make sense of it all when the world tells you to forget about this God whom you say you believe? Our psalmist in chapter 77 here dealt with things such as what we just described. We don't know the exact circumstances of life at this point. Perhaps he's surrounded by enemies on every side. Perhaps he had a close loved one who passed away unexpectedly. Maybe they got a health diagnosis that didn't bode well for his future. We don't know what he was facing when he wrote this, but we do know that he found great comfort and solace in God. In the midst of his troubles and sufferings, he sought the Lord. No matter what he was and would face, it didn't keep him from crying out to God. And so let's look at this text together and let us be challenged to seek the Lord no matter what we are going through. Let's read Psalm 77 now. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. 
In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your right arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the water saw you, O God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The clash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the honesty that we see in the Psalms of of people who we can completely relate with, Lord. Each and every person here has faced trials of different kinds, troubles. Most, if not all of us, have at times questioned you and your character. And yet, Lord, we can find great comfort even in those moments, Lord. Even as believers, even in our questions and troubles, we can find solace in the word of God and what it says of who you are. And so this morning I pray, Lord, that you would remind us that even in our darkest hours that we are still to cry out to you and that you indeed hear your people. And Lord, let us cry out to you based on the truth of God's word, not based on our feelings, not based on what the world would say to us. And so, God, we need help this morning to maybe some people just need this barrier of darkness They need to break through it this morning. Would you allow them to do that and to find you on the other side? God, would you carry us this morning? Would you open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we dive into the Psalms, this psalm, we are going to see how the author deals with the troubles and with the questions that arise out of them. And here's the title this morning, if you want to write this down. Seek the Lord no matter what. Seek the Lord no matter your circumstances, no matter your sorrows, no matter your trials. Here's the first thing I want you to see. And first we're going to read verses 1 through 3 again. 
says this, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God I moan. When I meditate my spirit faints. Here's the first thing in light of seeking the Lord, in light of troubles. Don't let your troubles keep you from crying out to the Lord. Don't let your troubles keep you from crying out to the Lord. Notice there, right in verse 1, he, he repeats himself. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. There is a deep pain in whatever he is experiencing, and he is still, in spite of that, seeking the Lord fervently. He's crying out loud, and he, he's emphasizing the fact that he continually cries out to God. And notice that it's out loud. It's aloud that he's doing it. You know, we can be a people that can kind of keep to ourselves and keep to, uh, reservation uh, in light of what we're going through. And, and sometimes we feel like, well, you know what, the Lord knows my thoughts, and so why do I need to say it out loud? But, you know, I think it's a really good practice for us that we get in the habit of speaking out loud of what we are going through. To express our feelings with emotion to him. That's, that's one reason why in the morning uh, I like to make sure I regularly have time away from anybody else. There are occasions when Nikki and I, my wife, we're, we're conversing about what we're reading through. But I like to make sure I have times where it's just me and the Lord so that as I'm reading, I can pray I can respond as emotions roll up inside of me. I can let him know what I'm feeling. There is just something about expressing emotionally what we are thinking to the Lord. This often happens for me when I'm driving. And if I'm going through a particular battle and I'm really struggling, there are times where I am screaming literally in the car. Listen, God already knows how you're feeling anyway. So whether you say it quietly or whether you scream it, he knows your heart and he knows the frustrations that you have. And for me, I have just found it so freeing to just verbally and get it out there. It, it may make for awkward car rides when people look at me and I'm screaming to myself. <laughs> but when we do this, there's something, it, it's like a release. And here's what usually happens to me. I, I don't think it's okay for me to just sp spread whatever I want to say to the Lord. But there, usually what happens after I just have this outburst of frustration and anger and questions that like the Lord kind of humbles me. And it's kind of like this understanding that like, like he can take it. And he's not going to return my sin for what I deserve. But rather he's a compassionate father who understands and who's going to comfort me. You ever have like a, a young child who's just out of control and you know there's no way getting him back and the only thing you can do is embrace him? That's, that's the picture I get when I'm really struggling. So brothers and sisters, I, I want to... Help you understand, like, you take time. If you are really wrestling through, don't keep it bottled up inside. Express it to your father. Let him know how you're feeling and do it in a way that expresses how you are feeling. Your father cares for you. Back to the author here. His trouble has led him to seek the Lord. And it says his hand is not growing tired in reaching out He's obviously after God to hear his cries. 
perhaps this is something that has been going on for a long time. I, I can't imagine this is just one night where he's reaching out, but he continually is just reaching out his arms. He's not growing tired. He refuses to give up. Night after night, he's reaching out to the Lord. The first thing we need to remember when we find ourselves in hard seasons is to cry out loud to the Lord. But how often in these seasons of trouble do we allow ourselves to end up in a place of weariness where we can wallow in our self-pity based on what we're having to go through in our lives because life has been so hard and and you ever find yourself in those seasons asking someone to pray for you and then they ask you, have you been praying? (laughs) Have you ever come to realize that in those seasons often you've never prayed? You're asking others to pray for you. But like you've hesitated and you, and you haven't taken it to the Lord. You know, recently, I think I've shared this before, was just at a season of a extended dryness. There was nothing major in my life, nothing, nothing to like lay my finger on. But it was just like a season of discouragement and reached out to several people asking them to pray for me. And I just come, came to realize that a lot of times through that, I wasn't seeking the Lord myself. I wasn't crying out loud to him. I just kind of kept it internally and then asked others to do my work that really I needed to do in light of also having other people pray for me. I wasn't like this author reaching out to God with untiring hands. Brothers and sisters, be sure that you don't stop crying out to the Lord in these seasons of trouble, in these seasons of struggle. You've heard me say, uh, many times in one form or fashion that there are three kinds of people in this world. There are those who are in a season of struggle. There are those who just came out of a season of struggle. And there are those who are about to enter into a season of trouble. Don't let trouble keep you from remembering where your help comes. Notice the end of verse 2. It says, my soul refused to be comforted. There's certainly a a sense of hopelessness in this man's thoughts and in his voice, yet he is still crying out to God strongly. Yet there is this resistance to being comforted in that. And really there are a couple different ways to see that. Is it not a good practice to resist seeking comfort into the things of this world? Is that a good thing to do? Yeah, I mean, we live in a society, in a world that runs to many different things to find comfort in our trouble. Alcohol, drugs, sex for that matter. But I'm guessing the majority of us here have more socially acceptable things to run to. Some of us like to snuggle up with our friends Ben and Jerry. I'm talking about, of course I'm talking about the ice cream for those of you who may not understand what Ben and Jerry's is. We can run to food for comfort, and we somehow think that's better than running to alcohol and drugs, but yet it's a a sin where we are trying to find comfort in something that won't satisfy. And if I'm honest, that's a struggle that I have from time to time. Entertainment is another popular escape. You know what? The office is on Netflix, so let's let's go binge on a season of 
of some kind of show. And we can find ourselves drowning our, our sorrows by seeking something of the world that just does not satisfy. So a refusal to be comforted by the things less than God, that's a good thing. But let's be honest with ourselves. There are times when we refuse to be comforted by the truth of God's word. You ever tried to help a brother or sister in Christ and you're pointing scriptures and they just have no ears for it? Happens in marriage <laughs> a lot where they see clearly. My wife sees me clearly and she's trying to point me to God's word and I want nothing to do with it. Because sometimes it's, it's more fun to dwell in our sorrows, isn't it, than to be confronted with the reality of what we are trusting in. This author is in a tough spot. Verse 3, look at what it says. He remembers God, but when he does so, he moans. When he meditates, his spirit faints. He's in a tough spot. He's been told the Lord is good. He's been told that God is gracious and merciful. But right now, he is just not seeing it. When you have learned a lot of who God is, and then find yourselves in a very hard season, you can find yourself struggling like this psalmist. But still, he cries out to the Lord. Consider what John Calvin said many years ago. However much we may experience of fretting, sorrow, and disquietude, we must persevere in calling upon the Lord even in the midst of those impediments. Don't let your troubles keep you from crying out to the Lord. Look at verse 4. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the nights. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever? And never again be favorable. Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Here's the second thing I want us to be aware of. Don't let your questions keep you from seeking the Lord. Don't let your questions keep you from seeking the Lord. It's almost like he takes a turn for the worst here. He went from crying out to the Lord to the point where he can't sleep. And now he can't even speak. I remember when my brother passed away 11 years ago. There was just this deep season of mourning. It was unbearable at times. And if you've ever lost a loved one, there's like these, these waves of emotion that come crashing on you. You can find yourself in a day where you're not even thinking about it. And all of a sudden something reminds you of a loved one. And then the emotions just come crashing through. And there were, there were times early on where there was just no words to share. And I'll never forget when I, I was living two hours away from home. And never forget when I finally made it home. With the family, Nikki drove, and I just cried the whole way. And as soon as I got home, I just buried my head into my parents, and we didn't say a word, just wept. Just no words. We go through seasons like that, don't we? Where sleep escapes us, and we just have nothing to say. 
Verse 5, I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. So he's remembering his past when, when God met him in previous times. Perhaps he's thinking back to beautiful seasons where his circumstances were reasons to celebrate. He's remembering times where the Lord was prosperous in his life. But he has gone from praying and crying aloud to the Lord to now listening to his own thoughts. When do things start to go sideways for us? <laughs> Isn't it true that we start to go astray when we stop speaking to ourselves and we start listening to ourselves in these seasons and we're not recalling the things of the Lord, we're just all the questions that come into the quietness of our hearts when we aren't pursuing the Lord and and we see him asking these questions. Verse 7, the questions begin, and there are six questions he asks. These are questions that probably all of us has asked before. Will God reject me? Will he stop loving me? Have his promises ended for me? Has he stopped being gracious and compassionate to me? Have you ever questioned God in your seasons of trials and troubles. You remember the way God met you before. You, you recount his faithfulness of old. But but have you ever found yourself saying perhaps, yes, he's, he's done those things for me in the past, but perhaps this is the time where he finally neglects me. You ever, you ever, you ever feel that? You ever feel like, yeah, he's been faithful, but maybe this is the time where it's finally done for me questioning himself. There really is a, a deep sense of comfort, though, in the Psalms here, isn't there? Here we have God's word written down thousands of years ago. He's questioning whether or not God is good. He's really, in a sense, attacking God's character. Do you see it there? He's like, wait, is God going to be faithful? Will he ever show favor again? Is his kindness done? Are his promises now no longer good? He's questioning God's character. I mean, when I see this, I'm reminded to take courage. Take heart, brothers and sisters. If you have questions about God, this doesn't necessarily mean that you are an unbeliever. It just means that you're paying attention. I mean, this world is broken. And there are times, even after being saved for 30 plus years, where I ask God, why? Why would you allow that? How could you see that it's good that my parents would have to bury their son? And why is it okay that parents today have to bury young children? Even this week, if you were paying attention in the news, there was a two-year-old that drowned in an Elkhart pond. Why? It's not wrong to answer, to ask questions. Let me be clear on that. It just means that we're paying attention. Ultimately, we just have to lay it down and trust the Lord, don't we? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are way higher than what we would do. There's a sense of humility that comes in being able to lay the questions and understand that we may not get the answers. But here's the thing. God is big enough for your questions. Just don't allow your questions to keep you from seeking the Lord. 
And this really leads us to the last point, and that is this. Respond to your troubles and questions with the truth of God's word. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have questions that arise. If you are paying attention and believing a good God and you see bad things happen in the world, it's completely normal to ask questions why. But brothers and sisters, let me remind you, when you come to these troubles and questions, make sure you respond to them by looking at the word of God. Let's see what it says in verse 10 to the end of the chapter. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What's the psalmist doing here? He's running after the Lord. He didn't allow his troubles to keep him from God. He didn't allow his questions to be answered by his emotions or by what others would say he should believe. He ultimately found comfort from the truth of who God is. We live in a world today that has absolutely no idea what truth is. In fact, there are many quote-unquote Christians who don't even hold to the truth of the Bible. Can you imagine such a thing? They look at the scriptures as being fluid, as if it can change with the seasons. It can change with the times. The truth that was back then is not the same truth today. We have to look at it with new lenses. No, we don't. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? We don't have your truth and I have mine. And isn't that great news for us? This is not something that should be bad news as if, oh, it's great that we could come up with our own truth. It's, that's terrible. How many times are you telling yourself that you're worthless, that you have nothing to offer, that you should just end your life? Have you ever thought that? What if you believed in your truth and the truth for you at that moment was to take your life? Praise God for his reminder in his word that my identity is not found in what I think of myself. And my identity is not found in what somebody else may think of, of me. My identity, our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And we have to ask ourselves, do we believe that God's word is sufficient? I couldn't believe what I read this week looking at a Christian's post about a certain topic. I'm not going to get into it too much. But this person responded saying, yes, it's time for the church to realize that Jesus isn't enough. As if something in the world could help us through our, our trials in life. And I was flabbergasted. That is blasphemy. Brothers and sisters, do you believe that God's word is sufficient? Keep your finger here and turn with me to 2 Peter. 
chapter 1. What we believe about God's word will have a drastic impact in how we live our life. And we genuinely must ask ourselves regularly, do I believe that God's word is sufficient? 2 Peter 1 verses 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through what? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. What is this saying here? It's saying that God, through the knowledge of Christ, has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. All, in the Greek, means all. <laughs> means everything. Everything that you need for this life, we find complete in God's word. Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through these promises through his word you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because a sinful desire Christian do you believe that God's word is sufficient do you believe that we have everything we need in Jesus. And do you believe that there's no such thing as your truth and my truth? I mean, let's just be honest. There are times, and please hear me out because I think everybody's had this, where I just want to punch people in the face. You ever have that? I'm not saying this is right, all right? Please hear me out. I'm not justifying this. But there are times where people are acting a fool and I think the best thing for me would to knock them out, right? I remember my dad said to me, and I, don't, I didn't say this to my kids, like, you know, like, one thing I can't stand is, like, mama jokes and people making fun of mama. You know what I mean? Like, you don't make fun of mama. And my dad, I told my dad, like, this kid was doing this. And he just said, you know what, if he does it again, just clock him in the face. <laughs> now, not, that's not a good practice to have. But let's be honest. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, this, this guy, this person needs to be punched in the face. Imagine if that was our truth and your truth. Hey, my truth for the day meant that I should punch that guy in the face. That's what he needed. We don't need to be punching people in the face, do we? God's word is sufficient. Praise God that he reminds me that I deserve to be punched in my face over and over again by Jesus. And yet, what did he do for me? And he gave his life. That's the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The beauty of having truth that exists outside of ourselves is that we have something to rest on that is set in stone. Have you ever tried to build something on sand? You ever go to the beach and build sandcastles? I mean, people, the sandcastles that people have made are absolutely incredible. But what happens? Very quickly, the tide rises, the winds come, those sandcastles don't last very long. The truth of God's word is not built on sand, it's built on the rock. And therefore it lasts forever. Truth is not fluid. God's word is not fluid, it's firm, it's fixed for all time. And that is for our good. And when we read of God's promises of yesterday, we can bank that it's going to be true today and that it's going to be true tomorrow. But here's the thing. If we fail to open up the word of God, 
then we fail to hear the promises of God. We can't expect ourselves to find to be on solid ground when the only time we open the Bible is when the pastor says, open your Bible on Sunday mornings. This has to be something that you do Saturday, uh, Monday through Saturday. Something that we do every day of our lives. Not because it's a checklist that we have to do, but we, we understand the world is throwing all these things and these ideas at us. And if we are not filling our minds with the word of God, we're going to be filling our minds with the things of this world. And when we do that, we miss out. We miss out on the promises. We can find ourselves going to the extreme of this psalm where the questions actually lead us to reject everything that we said we believed. But this morning, let me remind you of the hope that we have in Christ. I encourage you. I'm going to go through these fast. They're not on the screen, but I'll give you the reference if you want to go through these later. Let me just remind you of the truth and the beauty of the word of God. Psalm 23, 4 reminds us that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Matthew eleven twenty through 30 reminds us that we can come to Christ when we are weary and heavy laden and he'll give us rest. His yoke is what? Easy and his burden is light. Romans 8, not that you should say there's a best scripture in the world, but this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Verses 26 and 27 remind us that the Spirit intercedes for us when we don't have the words. Verse 28, all things work together for the good of those who love God. Isn't that amazing? Even the terrible things that happen, God's going to use it for your good. Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Oh, how we, that's why we take communion because, oh, how often we forget of what he did for us. He spared no expense for you. He gave his greatest gift. Jesus gave himself for you. How will he not also give you everything you need to carry on? Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Revelation 21, 4, this gets me fired up for heaven. Christ will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. How many are ready for that? Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. It's coming, but it's not going to happen here. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Brothers and sisters, are you in the word of God? Maybe that's what you need to be reminded of is his commandments are not burdensome. This word is not meant to restrict you from having a fun life. It actually is trying to warn you so that it, your joy won't be stolen from you. The joy of the Lord is our strength, not the joy that this world has to offer. Brothers and sisters, you'll miss out if you don't eat from God's word on a regular basis. You will forget. Every day we are tempted to forget. So please, don't ask why you're struggling if you don't open up the word of God. I don't say that to condemn you. I say that for you to understand like... So often in my life, not every time, 
There are seasons that I've gone through where I'm reading and praying and it's still cold. But if I'm honest with myself, the majority of times where I find myself in a mess, it's often because I'm neglecting to read the word and therefore I'm forgetting what God has said. The psalmist remembered where his hope came from. Look at verse 19 and 20 again in Psalm 77. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You let your people like a you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What's he reminding himself of? He's reminding himself of God's faithfulness of old. He's remembering how God has been faithful in the past and remembering that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. At our house, you, you, you will find a, a framed piece of paper. And on this paper has all the different addresses of which we've lived. We, Nikki, in our 19 years of marriage, have moved 11 times. Those of you who are newly married, I don't suggest that. <laughs> But that is a reminder as we go through this of God's faithfulness. But, but if I'm honest, there are certain addresses that we look at that stir up this pain. Places that we did not want to leave. Places that we did not want to move from. Houses that we loved. Houses that we had dreamed of living at forever. Houses where we could ride our bikes in the neighborhoods. We lived on a cul-de-sac and it was a long one and we were right at the front and it was a safe place for us to go. Had a long driveway with a basketball hoop that we shot hundreds of shots at. Lived in a front yard there. It's painful. But we're reminded of God's faithfulness through those. And we have to continually remind us of how faithful he's always been. And we're also going to remind us of what God has promised for the future. So brothers and sisters who are experiencing troubles... Those who are just getting out of a season of trouble and those about to enter that season. Are you viewing your suffering through the lens of Scripture? The questions that you have, are you taking them to the truth of God's word? Are you allowing the things of this world to interpret those things for you? Respond to your troubles and questions with the truth of God's word. Well, as we wrap up this morning, let me give a few action steps. If you want to go further this week with the things that we've talked about, let me encourage you to put to heart, memorize Psalm 77, 11 through 13. Let me remind you what it says. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? Isn't it true that the things that we make as gods in this world never satisfy? You need to be reminded, God, you know what? I've tried and tasted and seen that that is no good. But every time I've tasted and seen you are good. Spend some time in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's when Paul shares of the fact that he despaired of life. Yes, the Apostle Paul, after he was converted to Christ, did not want to live any longer. 
But he points out later in that chapter that that was to help him realize that not to rely on himself, but on God who raises the dead. So I encourage you to find comfort in the fact that even the Apostle Paul is the spirit of life. Third thing there, cry out to the Lord. Literally, out loud, cry out to the Lord. If you're carrying a burden, you have questions, take it to him. He's a big God. He can handle it. Don't blaspheme the name of the Lord. But bring him your questions. He knows your emotions anyway. I encourage you, get it out. And then lastly, make a list of go-to scriptures. Such as what I read to you. What, what have you found comfort in? There's a million of them, right? Like the, the Bible is full of them. What are some things that you find comforting in different seasons? What are the truths that you need to be reminded of? Make a list of those things and print them out. Hide God's word in your heart. Brothers and sisters, respond to your troubles. Respond to your questions with the truth of God's word. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the reminder this morning. I thank you for just even the encouragement, God, that even the psalmist had struggles and for all eternity, we have these written words of people questioning your character even. But it ultimately pulled them back to you, pointed them back to you. And so, God, I pray when our hearts are heavy that we would not neglect reaching out to you. Lord, thank you that you will hold us fast, that you will cling to us. We are so unworthy of that. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. We've got a members meeting, as I said. Uh, everyone's free to stay, but we'd especially like the members to stay. But if you need to get going, we're going to give you about three minutes, and then we're going to kick up right, right away. Uh, we're only going to spend about maybe ten minutes uh, just kind of sharing some, some, some good things about our church. And then we'll have coffee and donuts afterwards. So don't get your kids yet. They're safe. They're in good hands. Uh, but three minutes, uh, we'll resume. So everybody go ahead and stand, stretch, say hi to somebody. But in three minutes, we're going to get kick things off again.